Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 21 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci-Fi. My name is Dave. As always, Wayne's here, and man, we got our work cut out for us tonight. Yep, we are being amb- very ambitious, but it's all just a matter of trying to get you know this season put to bed before season three comes upon us. It just would seem too weird to be talking about season three and then still recording season two where we're pretending we don't know what happens in season right. two. Just I'm tired of the lies, Dave. I'm tired of the lies. And, and we've been talking about this for weeks now. You know, should we try to double up or triple up? And actually tonight we're going to quadruple up. And then, you know, we went back and forth. Uh, and then, okay, well, there'll be a gap, but we'll we'll go ahead and do the last two episodes of season two. And, you know, I think this is the best approach. We cover everything, even if it's not quite in the depth we're used to doing. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll still uh, have fun talking about it and everything. It's just a little bit more work during the week, you know, a little bit more uh, episodes to watch everything, but it's all good. Well, fortunately, there's a lot of our shows in hiatus at this point. You know, Fringe is off for a couple of weeks. Uh, I forget why. Uh, Revolution's now on about a three-month break, so that's, uh, you know, now, now we do have Wednesday night Arrow coming up, but... You know, beyond that, I mean, I guess you still watch. You're watching Supernatural, yeah. Which is, but it's on right Same after night. Arrow, so yeah. it's like you know, Wednesday nights is it's all I got now. I'm just like tonight. I'm like it's Monday night, no revolution. I'm like so sad. Like I'll, I might actually just go to sleep tonight. My wife will be psyched, I guess. Yeah, yeah or not. Or One not. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, anyway, you know, uh, we decide we're not going to do any news because we've got four. Uh, you know, episodes to cover, but I couldn't help but notice something as I was perusing, you know, my, the sci-fi news sites that I look at. Christopher Eccleston, um, you know, I mean, I certainly liked him as the doctor season one, but, you know, he's only number three behind Matt Smith and, and uh, David Tennant. But I was a little distressed to learn that, uh, you know, his whole disdain towards the 50th anniversary that, you know, I couldn't care less about uh, being involved with that. I haven't seen anything uh, since I left. Uh, you know, I've seen Matt on stage and he's a fine actor, but uh, come on. Yeah, I mean, I think when he walked away from, well, he came in, I think, just saying, I'm just going to do one season. Right. Which is, you know, usually, you know, I mean, the doctor, that's that's a pretty good gig, man. You know, I mean, how long was that? Uh, oh, boy. Now the traditionalists are going to... Oh, Tom Baker? Yeah, Tom yeah. Baker, right. He was on for ages, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah. Like I, I want to say seven, eight, nine yeah. seasons maybe, but... You know, and yeah. Matt Smith is on, what, this is his fourth, right? Fourth, yeah. Fourth year and everything. So, I mean, that's a that's a gig you can do for... You know, obviously you can't do it forever because you know, eventually people are going to get tired of you. Eventually you're, you know, you're going to ask you to move on, but uh, or you're just going to probably want to move on, whatever. But uh, Eccleston comes in and says, yep, I'm one and done, and... Yeah, you know, and that, that was shot because that was my first Doctor Who experience. I mean, I knew of Doctor Who. It was always on PBS when I was a kid. Right. I think my dad liked it, but you know, I never got into it. 
And then, uh, then you, you showed me Torchwood and I said, Torchwood, that kind of led me to Dr. Who. And so like Christopher Eccleston was my first experience with the doctor. So, I mean, it's like kind of like projection, you know, like a baby duck will think the first thing it sees is its mother, right? Like I was like, Christopher Eccleston is awesome, you know? And so when, when he, you know, uh, when David Tennant took over, it took me, I would say probably four episodes before I even started to think, I don't hate this guy. Yeah. And then probably only the second go around, I was like, you know what? He's actually pretty good. And then, you know, so, but, right. uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that, that sucks that, uh, he's, yeah. he's kind of rejecting his, um, the, the past because that was, you know, it was a good season. Right. And I mean, I guess I always figure just, you know, say, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, that's great. You know, wish him luck, but I can't really make it or, you know, whatever. But, uh, all right, so you know we got to watch ourselves, or next thing you know we're going right. to look up and we'll be uh, talking for ten minutes. Right, um, and, uh, and I, I don't want to try and draw this out anymore, but I'm going to a little bit because then we're not doing news. I just, I just had to say because I mean you saw you're caught up on Arrow, right? Right. So our man Tamo Pennekit, oh, was in Arrow. We got to talk at least a little bit about that because here's a guy with some really super serious sci-fi cred. I mean. If we start talking about the first male of sci-fi, you know, he might be in that consideration for that because, you know, granted, he doesn't always have starring parts that we did in Battlestar, but, you know, he, he has like maybe a lot of bit parts, but he's been in a ton of science fiction stuff. You know, I mean, obviously there's the Battlestar, then, um, you know, like Dollhouse, right. he had a huge part in Dollhouse, he's awesome in Dollhouse, yeah. made the show, um, my favorite character in that show, uh, and then he's in continuum as a you know just the one episode but i think i have a feeling we'll see more of him right in season two and hopefully beyond yeah. of continuum and then here he shows up in an episode of of arrow so it's like this guy is you know at least a little bit he does a lot of yeah stuff well, and, and he's awesome and and sometimes it's most times he's a good guy but you know in this case he's a bad guy but still he was he was great yeah, a lot like Brian Markinson, and I'm not going to try to uh, recount all the things he's been in. Right, but he's in Blood and Chrome, right? Right, right. Yeah, I was yes, like watching Blood and Chrome, like, hey, Brian Markinson, because again, there, well, there's another guy yep. who you'd have to throw in for that, because again, a lot of you know minor parts or not starring parts, but yet, you know, he's in a ton of things. Though yeah. I guess you know, Continuum has got a pretty big part in, in that one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, before we get too far off track. Uh, want to acknowledge uh, Sandra for her suggestion of what we should watch next. So uh, we're going to take you up on it. Hi, Dave. Hi, Wayne. This is Sandra, and I just wanted to say thanks for the excellent podcast. It's great hearing you guys all discuss this awesome show. I would like to also recommend the show Being Human, the UK version for you guys to take a look at. Thanks again. All right. So, you know, I mean, Wayne, what do you, what do you think about Being Human? Yeah, I mean, we've we talked about it before, um, and were we not trying to watch four episodes at a time right now, we would definitely put that in. So that, but that is that's next on the list. The yeah. next thing, the next uh, show that we review that is not Lost Girl will definitely be the pilot of uh, of Being Human. For yeah, sure. and, and in fact, what we you know found out in the last couple of days that that you know it's one of Danielle's main shows. So hopefully, we can get her on. And and what we're going to try to do is we've both got some time off over the uh, Christmas break, so. Hopefully we can get it, get that in then. So, uh, but anyway, I've got to you know thank you and and again any listener if you've got a suggestion, comment, uh, something we we should watch, send us a voicemail. Yeah. And Sandra, I hope I'm not being too foreign in saying you have a lovely voice. Thank Absolutely. you for your feedback. All right, so Lost Girl, season two, episode seven, 
And I love the titles this season. Fagon Wild. Yeah, that was, um, that was a good one. Um, so the opening scene, which was uh, pretty creepy. Uh, you know, they bring the prisoner in chains into the police station, placed in the room. Yeah, creepy if you mean until awesome. <laughs> uh, Until the three exotic dancers in black leather come in right. and start lap dancing the uh, police officers out of their clothes. And uh, the next thing we know, Dyson comes in. Prisoner's gone, and the officers are, you know, in various... Oh, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what happened. A bunch of strippers showed up, and that's the last I remember. Um, that doesn't work in court. Uh, no, it doesn't. But, you know, the big question, uh, not so much that, uh, you know, these guys got uh, talked out of their clothes by strippers in black leather, it's that uh, Faye broke out a human prisoner. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that becomes the big, the big issue there for sure. But it also becomes the issue of like, you know, what, what, just like, I mean, as you watch it, you think like, wait a second. All right. I know this is a TV show, but we are really kind of descending from reality here when just strippers just walk in and just start dancing with the cops and the cops just like, hey, uh, yeah. Okay. Like, but we do learn their face, so right, you know, right, whatever right. they're just saying. Right. I don't know that we know what their, uh, what their power is, but, uh, so, so the killer's name is the it Power of Hotness? Is it Zephyr or Zephyr or I'm, uh, Zephyr? I think was I, I never, he was like the Zephyr, like he was like a hitman or something. Okay, so is this like Zephyr the Wind or yeah? He, but I don't know. But anyway, he's, he's yeah, supposed don't to read be too much into it. We got three more of these. Yeah, day. good point. All right, so <laughs> so he was a, he apparently was a strangler and was Russian, I believe. Uh, um, oh, he's just a murderer. I don't think it said. Did it say he was a strangler? I, I, I missed that part. I know he, he was a murderer, but that's just all part of the, the hand of glory that that's that they need him for. Right. Well, we also find out that uh, you know the the exotic dancers also are exotic dancers in their real life, and and you know the the I'm not just an exotic dancer. I play one on TV. Oh, that's I, I that's know, right. I it up like that. So, but anyway, <laughs> so so this is kind of the A story that that's that's revolving around you know the, the you know these girls that work in a club. And they are, and correct me, Selkies? Selkies, yeah. Okay, which is? They are um, like Nordic and Irish folklore beings that are part seals, uh, part women. And um, so they're, they're, they're always this kind of image of freedom because the Selkie will come on land for a little bit. They shed their skin and uh, their seal skin. They come on and then they you know, sometimes fall in love with a human, but ultimately, usually, have to leave the human male. Sometimes they'll hang around enough. They'll have kids. Um, in some episodes or some stories, the uh, the selkie actually decides to stay, like like uh, the the one girl's mother who decided to stay. Um, and then, but ultimately, what what generally happens in each of the stories then is the child uh, of the union finds the mother's skin or finds its own skin, and then you know, leaves and goes off to... Okay, so they refer to it as the pelt, and I guess I had this image in my head at first that it was, that that they were sort of mermaid-like, but we're not exactly... No, they actually turn into seals. Okay. They actually become seals and everything. And there's a really, really, really good movie called The Secret of Rowan Inish that's all about this, where a guy um, kind of uh, falls for a woman, he he sees her sunbathing and he steals her her skin, and then, uh, you know, and they get married and everything. And, and uh, just a fantastic movie. I, I'm trying to think of the, the lead guy. I, something tells me it's been ages since I've seen this movie. But, um, you know, if you got uh, a little time to kill this week, I would, I would suggest that movie. It's, it's a really, it's a nice kind of um, 
poignant and uh you know clever movie and about love and all this loss and oh it's good good stuff okay all right well all right so along with this we've got you know the you know the the case of the week uh, the mother of one of the strippers hires Bo to find her daughter because she recognizes her daughter there was some sort of a you know photo uh right because a murderer was right. broken out of police custody so that by strippers, right? Uh, that's what we call uh, new, newsworthy stuff. That's right. So uh, Bo and Kenzie go to the strip club, and uh, it's pretty evident that Kenzie's falling under the strippers' hypnotic power. Uh, Bo says it doesn't affect her other than to make her horny. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, right now, in an aside, um, and now I can't even remember how it was we learned this. I just put it in my notes that apparently Kiara is uh, now. I think somebody refers to her as a billionaire, but uh, yeah, they 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 mentioned. I don't. Yeah, again, I can't remember exactly what context it comes up in. Right. But, but we, I mean, we knew that because her husband was the king, right? Right. And, right. And they've been married for a long time. So, you know, just saying. I think the House of Winchester has only been around, or Hanover, I guess, whatever. The English crown is only been around for a little over a hundred years and they're pretty wealthy. So if you were around for a couple thousand years, you probably have acquired a bit of uh, capital. In that Accumulated time. a little gold here yeah. and there. So uh, I wouldn't have, I would, I would have blown the whole lot of yeah. it, but, uh, but people who are better with money will have. All right. Now, you know, in, in, I guess what, you know, we can start calling like the B story and we don't really see a whole lot of it in, in, in uh, Faye gone wild, but tricks tracking something, right? He's got the map of, I forget what it was. Was it North America? Was it? Uh, I'm not yeah. even sure if it was clear. But he's, put, catch that at all. you know, doing the little push pins and and uh, you know, clearly he's tracking some sort of activity, and uh, and then that Lauren's doing something to help Trick, but um, you know, and and he's you know whatever she's doing to help him, you know, she's been temp- temporarily sprung from uh, you know her confinement with the ash, and so she's happy about that. But we don't really learn other than you know that. You know, there, it's something seemingly important. Yeah, it's he's he's like kind of a, like ground zero of damage control or something. You know, he's but, like always on the phone and everything. Right. But and we don't know what it's about. Right, we don't know point. what it's right. about. So, but we, we do know that he is kind of like the damage control for the Fae because we saw that uh, in episode one of this season, you know, where all the animals were escaping, all the people's pets were escaping after the, uh, the attack on the ash. And, and it was – Trick was the one who had to get people to round them up and everything. So, right, okay. You know. So he's like I don't know the uh, I don't know the PR guy I guess for the right now the Lucy Brown for you uh, you primeval fans Oh, okay all right now uh, you know back to the face strip- Claudia Brown can we the get Lucy back- Brown's the actress can we Sorry. get back to the face strippers we could yeah okay. absolutely. all right so yeah. uh, now it it, it certainly not, doesn't rank up there with the uh, witches from Macbeth and the uh, you know spells and concoctions that they brew up with the eye of Newton you know whatever hand toe, of, eye of Newt toe hand, of frog, right uh, but uh, they are whipping up uh, because they need they need a hand and and that's why uh, they kill. The murderer, because they need the hand to create what's called the hand of glory. Right. Yeah, and the hand of glory is pretty much as I found, pretty much just as they said it. You know, okay. it's uh, the left hand, which for fans of The Simpsons, you'll know this already, but the Latin word for left is sinister. Really? So, yep. Yeah. And so, uh, um, so they get the sinister hand, which is the hand that's like supposed to have done the deed. And they cut it off, and then they have to make the actual candle, as I said in the show. You know, they have to actually make the candle out of by melting the flesh of the of the murderer as well. And so this will then 
as it does in the show, you, you light it and it, it freezes uh, everyone around you. Right. Um, Which was actually, a really cool effect, by the way. Yeah, that was yeah. that was that was really cool. Um, so it's pretty much as it is. Uh, the only thing that uh, the show doesn't mention is that Draco Malfoy uses a hand of glory in uh, in uh, one of the I can't remember which Harry Potter ep- uh, book it was, but the, uh, he uses one to to escape from the uh, room of requirement when he almost gets busted. There. I think the sixth one. Yeah. I'm woefully inadequate in my <laughs> Harry Potter mythology, but. Uh, what, what I don't think we've mentioned yet that that you know the the reason these strippers are doing all this to begin with is because they are all selkie. They're all selkies, uh, yeah. and that you know, they've been you know uh, I guess taken in by the club owner. You know he's got their pelts, and uh, the idea is I, I guess he's giving them jobs, he's giving them sanctuary, or you know whatever he's said to them. You know that that they are under his control, and they've had enough. They want their pelts back. And since he's got them stored in a holographic safe, right, made by dwarves, made by dwarves, right, yeah, uh, which was a nice touch. That was cool, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so that that you know that's what this is all about, and and we see the, uh, you know, the the ceremony because they need to hand open the safe. The you know they place the candle in the hand, and uh, again, it, it, back on my Macbeth kick again. The, the the one I can't remember which filmmaker made the version with Patrick Stewart. Right. The, well, yeah, I don't, it was PBS right, the, right, like right. a year ago, I think. Right, the opening scene where the witches, in this case, they, they have a severed hand. They put the, uh, the the dagger in the hand, and then they're burying that, yeah. um, you know, which kind of was reminiscent of what those, they're doing yeah. here. Those, the, you do the nurse witches, right? The nurse yes, witches. exactly. Yeah, they right. were, man, they, they could be the creepiest. I've seen a lot of Virgin of Macbeth. They could possibly be the creepiest witches I've ever seen. And they're the most normal looking ones. They don't look like witches at all, but they are incredibly creepy. Yeah. Although the one the 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 version with the English schoolgirls in the cemetery, I'm not sure I saw that. (laughs) Again, I can't remember which uh, who 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 made that. All right. So anyway, uh, you mentioned it freezes uh, Dyson, who's there at that point. It freezes everybody. Um, You know, they they retrieve their pelts and uh, justice is served. Or or is it? You know, I mean, it's like (laughs) I wrote in my notes that Sherry killed an innocent murderer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I guess it's one of those things where the the guy they killed was a bad guy anyway, so it's you know they get a kind of a pass on that, I guess. But you know, it it it, it could be justice and maybe like the higher morality sense of it, but mm-hmm. not in the strictly legal right. sense. Right. You're not a Dexter it. fan, right? What Dexter? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I, I might be if I ever. I've never seen it. I, I've only I heard seen. It's, I heard it's very good. I've only seen the pilot in bits and pieces. But I mean, that's his whole thing, and you learn that in the pilot that that he's had the he's got these urges to kill, and his father once he realizes it, you know, he says, "Well, look, you've got to, you know, you've got to control it. So what you've got to do is you've got to kill people that deserve to be killed. You know, people that have killed themselves, and and uh, go from there." So uh, you know, so we're certainly you know, you like know, the people who cancel Firefly. Yeah, good point. But uh, and then you know, then then Dyson agrees to fake the evidence because uh, you know be, because this this murderer um, um, Zephyr was in a dark fay control. No, I can't remember. Right, he was in. No, he was. Or was he uh, in a human prison? He was in a human prison. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. Because they brought him to the police station. Okay, so. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, yeah, you're jumping ahead. See, that's a problem with doing four because then point. right. You're like now you're thinking, oh, it was the it was the the crazy guy in the original skin. It was <laughs> right, under right, Darth right. control. So there's we, there's more than one prisoner in this in this block of episodes. Oh, good we point. Ah, oh, so. there's the theme. So yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, so it, it became and then too Bo's high a profile. Prisoner of love. Right. It, but, so, but it became a high profile, and right. and so that the Ash would not get involved. Uh, Dyson agrees to you know fake the evidence so that uh, you know things will go away. Right. So he killed so, himself and then cut off his own hand. All right. So you know, I mean, I guess the 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 whole theme of of returning home it gets you know driven into our brains in this as, as Sherry you know that that scene at the end where she returns to the sea and um you know and and. I guess again, not to jump too far ahead, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit of, uh, you know, I mean, that's been sort of Bo's thing, you know, not to necessarily return home, but to kind of find a find home, a home, and, right, and right. you know, she's sort of, uh, um, you know, kind of in limbo, not to jump oh, too far ahead. But the other interesting, thing, I, I want to get your take. I think I mentioned this to you today. It was kind of a return to the torrid sex scenes of season one when we see Dyson and Kiara. In bed, and, and it's like, I mean, other than for the sheer entertainment value, what was the point? Uh, I, I mean, think did I just nailed something? it. I, no, I think they just probably were like, it's been a couple episodes since we've had really. So, like, when was the, the Bo Lauren one? That was a couple episodes ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. So, yeah, they're probably just like, hey, we, you know, I mean, part of how we're selling this show is through the sex. So, okay. let's. You know, we need a, you know, we need a boot knocker in there. Well, so. okay, I guess. But, but then, I mean, you know, the strippers, too, was like, you know, I mean, yeah. they, they showed quite a quite a bit, more than, you know, so. Yeah, so there was a lot to say for this episode. But, uh, <laughs> again, I think one thing that, that we, we got to start looking at as we, you know, are reaching the halfway point of season two is how, how has the overall arc moved forward in this episode? You know, okay, so we see uh, Bo and Lauren's relationship. And, you know, in this episode, it's almost like a throw-in. Until the very end, you know, and, yeah. and, and the whole thing about, you know, the nail, um, you know, she gets, you know, she has a little box she got from the Morgan from a couple episodes ago. And, uh, you know, we, we learn because this is the first time that, that uh, Bo learns Nadia is in a coma, right? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, that we learn, you know, we get a little of the backstory, you know, when Lauren was in Africa, a virus swept through the... Uh, through the town, affecting only the Fay, except for Nadia. Nadia, okay. Right. And you know, we we learn a bit, a little bit about the origins of her servitude to the Ash. So again, you know, it's you know, her servitude to the Ash, the Selkie servitude towards. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, the club owner. The club owner. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the very end, you know, the box is open, and it's like a nail. It's a nail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's what we I think in each of these episodes each each of them ends with a little like a kind of WTF moment like, yeah you know what you know what the yep a nail seriously so I don't know but uh you know pretty good episode I mean yeah, yeah. You, you know um, good. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 okay so I, um, I didn't a, give it a number but uh you know that sounds uh I mean you know, certainly uh you know I liked it a lot I mean the uh you know, the B story, we didn't get much in it, but it was like, you know, definitely got my attention. And, and you know, I, in terms of a, a B story, that's, you know. All right. Uh, anything else you want to? No, let's just move uh, on to right, so, episode eight, Death Didn't Become Her. Yeah. Um, Not a great title. Uh, no, but then once you get into the episode, right. it definitely. Yeah, it makes sense. It's yeah. just that movie was not a really good movie. So, yeah. like, to 
you don't want to like give your TV episode a name that's reminiscent of a bad movie. True. Yeah. True. Because then people um, think of the bad movie, and those negative feelings are then transferred to your TV episode. You um, who was the who was in Death Didn't Become Meryl Streep? Oh God, and I hate Meryl Streep. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. All right, I'll go on yeah. record because I've said this to my wife many times. I think she's one of the most overrated actresses there is. Wow. That. Um, That's harsh stuff. Well, you know, I guess my big thing it's it seems to me that you know if you play a part that has an accent. Everybody thinks you're a great right. actor. And all right, well, anyway. Yeah. All right, so, so, so is that, do you like feel, because like Daniel Day Lewis is kind of like that, where everything he does, people like just assumes is good just because he's doing it. So do you feel the yeah, same? Yeah, but way? he actually has an accent, right? I mean, yeah. isn't he? But I mean, like, so when he does like American parts, do you say, oh, um, he just, he just got that because. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, okay. Because I like it. He's just like someone like, because Meryl Streep is like a person who, like, no matter what she does, like, I'm sure there's even people when in Death Becomes Her said, oh, Meryl Streep did such a great acting job. It's like, like she can never do wrong. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis can never do wrong. Every, now, obviously, I can't think of a bad role that he took. Uh, I think he's pretty selective and the roles he picked are, that, that he picks are, are, are very good. Um, but, you know, even if he picked a bad one, you get a feeling like people would give him a pass and just say, oh, well, the movie sucked, but but he was awesome, you know. Right, sort of like on the the new version of On the Road. Oh, you don't oh, the, with Kristen Stewart. No, oh, okay. I, right. No, I didn't see it. On no. the Road, like Kerouac on the uh, Road. Yeah, I think they made so. a movie of that. Yeah, with Kristen Stewart. Um, I'm not sure if it's. I mean, that's what it's called. 2012. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually the Kerouac, but uh, you know, I've seen clips. Um, yeah, film adaptation of Kerouac's On the Road. Yeah, I've seen Kristen some. Kristen Stewart? Yeah. All right. Anyway, before we go I too far. I am astounded. All right. Death Didn't Become Her, episode eight I'm of season two. the character in the book that, that only made one face the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Daniel. All right. Yeah. All right. So opening scene, we see uh, Lauren takes Bo to meet Nadia in her little bubble chamber. And, yeah, uh, I could do without that. Yeah, and, and you know, Bo has a little moment of, yeah, a little bit of jealousy, but, uh, you know, but then, you know, I, I, it jumps right into the guy in the Patton, George Patton uniform uh, yeah. digging up a grave. And uh, were you a big Vonnegut fan? Um, when I was in high school, I read, like, a ton of Vonnegut. Like, I was just, like, insatiable. Like, I, I read all this stuff, but I haven't, I haven't read any of Vonnegut since then. Well, so. I can't think of the one, the, the one book, and they made this one into a movie too. But the one character, you know, he he's in a, uh, he's got this blue military uniform, and he might even have swastikas on. He's got like a silver helmet, and it was almost reminiscent of that to me. But you know, in the end, it was really it was you know the George Patton. Yeah, to me, it was reminiscent of Patton or another World War II general. Who wore you know those type of breeches and a silver helmet? Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> and anyway. was a large man. So, all right. So, I doubt he was supposed to be Patton himself because I don't believe George Patton is buried in Toronto. But uh, of course, they've never really told us where this place is. But you know, still, you're like, wait a second. Well, yeah, I mean, I just couldn't help but wonder, like, where where did this guy? But I guess if if this guy's been around for right, the the, the lick has been around forever, collecting people. They right, could very well be Patton. He dug him up wherever Patton was buried. Yeah, I'm so. with MacArthur though. I think. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying he might be more interesting. Yeah, but I don't think MacArthur usually wore the hat, right? You know, the the officer's yeah. hat rather yeah. than the helmet. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if if you had a choice, if you if you were an undead who could walk around and resurrect people from across history. 
and you were going to pick a World War II general, who would you pick? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, maybe Patton, maybe, uh, maybe, God, I, I, I think Eisenhower would be kind of boring. Well, I'm, Montgomery I'm, would be but not, see, not I'm, too bad. You have to then ship him back across. But politically, the my, my politically incorrect answer would be Erwin Rommel. Rommel. That, well, that, see, that actually, that might be. Because, that you know. Be, he, I wouldn't understand because I, I, I was really bad at German. I don't know German. Well, well and I think he was, you know, I mean, he was just more of a, a soldier and a nationalist rather than a Nazi. And, and you know, sure. it was almost well, divorced I mean, he was one himself. Of the guys who tried to assassinate. Right. So, you know, all right. Anyway, so. before we really get <laughs> off. All right. So, our A story, we find out that Trick asks Dyson and Bo to find the missing body from that grave because it turns out that it's the partner of one of Trick, yes, one of Trick's oldest friends. And it, it, it really, uh, you know, uh, you know, is clearly important to him. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, you know, like you go to visit your wife's grave, not, she's not dead, but you know, yeah. at some point, not he's imagining that either, but Mary, he's, he's not, <laughs> but you know, and you go there and it's gone. Yeah. You, you'd probably be a little put out. Right. Now, the interesting thing, I mean, this episode came out, I guess, 2011. So, I mean, it, it, I mean there certainly are zombie-like elements here. Yeah, I saw I got um, big, right in my nose, zombies, exclamation point. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a zombie movie. Yeah. It really wasn't. Right. Now, in this episode, you know, we've got a, a really strong B story. You know, because we're introduced to the Glaive's daughter, and 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 I happened to look up Glaive. I thought, all right, I'm going to look this one up. Wayne's going to look, you know. And, I didn't so. Good. Oh well, a Glaive, <laughs> as it turns out, is really a weapon. You know, the, it, yeah. And and uh, I, I guess for the purposes of the show, they just like the name. I mean, yeah. Well, it's, her mother does seem very severe. Yes, and uh, so the daughter's entrusted to Dyson, and apparently she's a handful. Apparently, Dyson has uh, guarded her before. And, uh, you know, because he's got to do the job for Trick, right, he turns her over to Hale. Okay. And Kenzie shows up, takes Tori under her wing, and, and it's like, can Hale really be that stupid? Well, if, if he wasn't that stupid, it wouldn't be much of a, of a story because it would be pretty boring because they would just sit there. So he's got to be stupid for the sake of the story. All right. To move the plot forward, he's got to be stupid. Um, but, yeah, that, that was, you know, obviously, you know, like she, he basically lets her do everything that's on the list that's forbidden. Right. So, uh, you know, we've got a series of misadventures. Uh, Kenzie, like you said, breaks every instruction she's been giving. Uh, she finally collapses after a sip of coffee. Yeah. Of all so, things. Okay. So I, I know what I just said suggests you should like kind of just let it go and everything. But seriously, okay, you, you, you'll you pass out if you drink coffee. So you should probably be fairly familiar with, you know, it's not like if someone gives you a cup of coffee, it's not like you think, oh, this is water or something. Like you know, coffee is a pretty significantly strong smell, you know, like, you know, like, like kids who are like allergic to peanuts, like even but when they, by the time they get to middle school, they know what foods to avoid. So if you know you're like coffee does this to you, you should probably not drink coffee. And if someone hands you a cup, you should smell it and say, hey, this is coffee. You know? yeah, it's like, yeah. like, come on, man. Well, you know, I mean, as, as they're all sitting around freaking out that she's dead and, and I guess the glaive uh, seems to be some sort of like judge or or attorney and maker of rules and 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 things like that but certainly you know in some sort of a position of power not not i guess up with the ash but you know certainly high enough that they're all pretty freaked out about it and um dyson sees what's going on comes over and gives her a nice shot to the chest and uh 
you know, wakes her right up and everybody agrees. Okay, we'll be quiet about yeah. this. You know, don't let this out. And obviously, Kenzie and Tori have this bond now because you know Kenzie has shown her uh, the time of her life. Right. Yeah, it's very uh, Pulp Fiction type. Uh, oh, good. Thing. Yeah, good yeah, call. See, yeah, it's just yeah with uh, the um, Uma Thurman's character. Is, oh uh, yeah. Oh, with the with yeah. the shot of uh, adrenaline. Ad- yeah. Oh. And then yeah, like uh, it, you know they had the same conversation. John Travolta takes her back, and 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 he's like, you know, I would. Just don't let her drink. I'd or be, I would be under the impression. I would, I would be happy if you just, you know, never mention this ever. You know, and they kind of agree that between them, they'll, they'll never mention it again. So I, you know, watch that scene. I was like, ah, it's just like Pulp Fiction and everything. So. Yeah. So, and that's pretty much, you know, so then back to the A story. Uh, we've got the Lick, L I C H, right. um, who eats flesh to achieve immortality. Yes. Um, Pretty cool in a kind of, you know, in a very disturbing, disturbing kind of, of way. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, back to you know, is this you know, you're the zombie expert. I mean, is this zombie-ish? Well, um, the the lick is an undead creature. The funny thing about the lick, this is not something from folklore. This actually comes out of modern fantasy fiction. So this is like a kind of a 20th century type thing. I think the earliest things I saw that that mentioned are like from the 30s or something. Um, so, you know, but it's an, an undead creature that's striving for immortality often has a very cadaverous appearance and, uh, you know, and then that's, you know, basically that they, if, you know, feeds on flesh then to, to achieve this immortality, but, you know, like always like, you know, the fact he's like kind of falling apart, we see as the episode progresses, his skin is like falling off of him and everything. He does need to get to a hair cuttery though at some point. Yeah. Uh, Um, but, yeah, but, he looked pretty bad. Right. But the other, you know, so, so eating the flesh to achieve immortality, but the other part was, you know, feeding his mind by bringing back all of these famous individuals. Um, and, and obviously the one that, that uh, we saw uh, dug up and is the, uh, the husband of uh, Trick's friend is Kristoff, a famous ballet dancer. And, uh, yeah, and Annie Oakley. I mean, I, they don't say it. Oh, but right, right. supposed to be Annie Oakley. It's like, oh, I mean, I, I get it, but it's just like, Okay, greatest dancer in the world, yeah, one of the most Patton, famous generals, yeah. you know. And Annie Oakley? Yeah. No, you know, nothing against Annie Oakley. No. You know, but still, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't but know But I guess either. for his, like, his his Praetorian guard, kind of, you want someone who can shoot really well. I guess that would be maybe the first requirement is someone who's a dead shot. So, right. you know, right. whatever. Well, <laughs> you know, I guess things weren't moving quickly enough for Danny, right? The, uh, you know, the... the um, you know, the, the husband, and uh, he starts taking matters into his own hand and, and Trick, you know, uh, stops him. And he says something that, that I almost missed the first time and I had to kind of go back and listen. He says, you know how I ended up here. Yeah, I think I, I did catch that. Yeah. And and then that's just one of those things you like, they're not going to answer this one anytime soon. So. No, you know, but because but, uh, that's how Trick ended up at the doll at, you know, right. in this town. I mean, again, but, right. but uh, yeah, you, you know, the guys, yeah, of course I know how you ended up here. I drove you in this morning, man. Like, right. yo, I picked you up at your house. We drove down the street, dropped you off right at the front door. That's how you got here. That's a dumb question. All right. Well, you know, almost before you, you know, you blink, he, Lauren and Bo are like in chains, right? Uh, yes. Or, right. or, or, or and, and I'm like, okay, how did that right. happen? Did, did I blink? <laughs> Don't oh. blink. Don't ever blink. 
But um, uh, yeah, I mean, they go there to to see the little the show. He you know figures, hey, while you're while you're here, you might as well see all the dead people I got. Well, one do my the, bidding. Well, one of them, and I can't remember, I think it might have been Bo, says, you know, look, this guy's lived forever. Maybe he knows something about the nail, or maybe it was Lauren. I forget oh, yeah, which right, one. Right, right. And, and so they, you know, they do have an ulterior motive for going there in addition to, you know, the yeah, uh, yeah. retrieval of the body. But he's got them in chains, and he's about to kill them when, and, and you know, this is my homage to you. Uh, she goes all super succubus, <laughs> all powerful, glowing blue eyes, yeah. and sucks the chi out of them. Yeah, yeah, out of all of them. I mean, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, we always since the, the beginning, you know, people have hinted that you know, she has power beyond you know what even she imagines, and you know, we saw a little little bit of that right there. So yeah, Uber succubus. Yeah, I mean, uh, really. <laughs> anyway, the succubus autobus. Yeah. Okay. So the lick tells them that Nadia, <laughs> you know, he does have the information that they seek. Uh, Nadia has been cursed by a shaman, and, and uh, it's a cursing nail, and they've got to find the piece of wood that's paired with the nail. And and, and Lauren's like, you know, I've, all this time I've been trying to fight it. It's a virus, and it's a you know, it's a damn spell. <laughs> um. But yeah, you should you know, have been at the Home Depot. Right. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then the episode ends with Bo and Lauren at Nadia's chamber. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah. They, I, I'm already sick of it. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Right. You're conflicted. Fine. Let's move on. Right. And, and I guess Lauren kissing Bo there just drives that uh, home even further. Yeah, that that uh, was just that was weird. Even Bo okay. thinks that's weird. And Bo is pretty much you know down for anything, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, you know, in this episode, how have we moved the arc forward? All right. So the Bo and Lauren's relationship is, you know, picking up a little bit. Uh, but we've got the... You know, the third wheel in there with uh, Nadia, and, and obviously uh, third wheels are nothing new to Bo. Uh, Hale and Kenzie, there are a few yeah. sparks flying. Oh, uh, yeah. that, well, Hale, holy crap, um, man. Like, dude, like, all right, I mean. Well, I mean, if Dyson's not going to be there to take his shirt yeah. off, you know, somebody's got to take his shirt off. I was impressed, off. man. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, and, all right. And he and he noticed her noticing him, yeah. And uh, you know, so that was that was pretty interesting. But you know, really, more importantly, the, you know, the whole superpower, you know, thing, because you know, so much of uh, the first season and a half have been about Bo learning about who she is, learning to control who she is, and everybody's telling her she's important. And okay, right. that's um, tricks past is hinted at and he's tracking something. So, you know, you know, in, in a small way, you know, certainly it's pushing this story forward. So. Yeah. And that's, I think that they're doing like kind of a pretty good job of mixing the two here because, you know, if they, if you, if you're just pushing forward the story arc, then you lose your, you know, the people who pop in, you know, who aren't watching every episode, who just pop in every now and then. And they, they come in and they say, oh, I don't understand what's going on at all, so I don't want to watch this show. And everything. It's kind of like Lost and Fringe, a lot of those shows that, that do, you know, like follow the story arc big time. Right. You know, you miss the show and you're done. So, right. And that's what, you know, I don't know if it's that I haven't, didn't notice, didn't pay attention, whatever, but this whole, because obviously, you know, talking about it in terms of an A story and a B story is something we haven't really done uh, right. It took me a while to figure out what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, but done before. But, you know, I don't know if it's just that, that you know, I don't know. It just kind of jumped out at me. And, you know, like like the, the A story is typically the case of the week, I guess. 
but there's always something going on, you know. In addition, sometimes it's it's plays more of a role, like with uh, Tori. But all right, anyway, um, why don't we jump into original skin? Okay, let's episode do it. nine, and uh, I got to tell you because we just talked briefly. And first thoughts, I didn't like it as much this time around as I did the first time. Really? Yeah. You know, hmm, you know, I, I think the the story itself is not spectacular, but I still really, really appreciated the acting jobs that well, went yeah. on in this one. You know, and that's really what I think why I like it so much because you know it's just especially and I'm gonna say right now, Chris Holden Reed was the best man. Like his Kenzie was that that was just yeah. awesome. It was hilarious. Yeah. Just I was I was loving it. So well, was, and and again, I mean, and it's funny looking at my notes. Um, you know, I like the concept in theory, but other than the you know quotes making quote signs, the characters got to know each other better. Cliche. Well, you know, maybe it's not so much a cliche, and maybe that is pretty important that they do really, you know, like, like Kenzie at the end when she tells you know you know having been inside Dyson that you know dude you're pretty empty inside. Yeah, yeah, and then also when you know Bo. Like he says something about you know how I don't know about Dyson and and Kenzie's like basically you know don't worry about it. so I don't know yeah. See, I guess and there, here's a hint that maybe you know deep inside Dyson there's a little spark of love for Bo still yeah you know, stuff like that so hey you know whatever um, but uh, you know what I found interesting and now we've seen it now two episodes in a row because we just talked about the Kenzie Hale right thing going on and. Um, and it, it it happens again here because uh, Kiara jumps into is, Kiara is inside Hale, and uh, Dyson is inside Kenzie. Right. So when Dyson, air quotes, goes right. to leave to to go save the Ash, you know, she shares a kiss with uh, with um, Hale, Kiara, and Kenzie. And Dyson is right there to to witness it. Yep. So you know we see kind of this. We, we've always seen. We've mentioned more than a number of occasions how Hale and Kenzie seem to get paired up, and they're both the sidekicks and all that stuff. And so now it's, we start to see these suggestions of of maybe there being you know something a little bit more to this relationship. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm telling you, I I even have them written down. And as you're going through all that, it's like. Makes my head hurt, but... Uh, <laughs> it's tough to keep track of. Yeah. Man. All right, anyway, opening scene. So we see Bo at home reading a book, Life Not Love, Learning to Like Yourself Alone, oh, while Bo, Kenzie's Bo, Bo. dancing around like, uh, you know, it's you know, not that we would have minded, but it was almost the kind of, it's like she should have been dancing in her underwear or something like that, just <laughs> dancing all crazy. I mean, it reminded me yeah, you know, she's, she's of like the Tom the Cruise. On, right? Yeah, I understand, yeah. but uh, but she's dancing around, you know, all crazy. And uh, well, you can't just throw on boots when you're in your, yeah, in your good knickers, point. man. You gotta but, you gotta have something. Huh? But uh, Bo doesn't want to go out because she's afraid she's going to run into Dyson and Kiara, and uh, you know, understandable. But obviously, we know that's not something that, that Kenzie's going to let go. No, definitely not. Oh, and what is Kenzie's solution always to any kind of uh, inner turmoil is drink yeah <laughs> let's go out and drink all right all right so uh, uh you know it's been a uh, a night of deranged lunatics uh and, and so in the in this main story here we see you know this guy 
And I'm telling you, you know, talk about deranged looking. I mean, with the hair, the look. and Yeah, and, I thought uh, that a little too much maybe there, okay. you know. And then the hypodermic syringe and, he's, yeah. you know, injecting the uh, the keg at the doll. Um, and, and we learn it that he's an escaped sociopath named Reynard. And, and that's, okay, so now we, he, he was in custody of the dark, right? Yes. He was a dark fake right. prisoner. You got it. All right. And uh, what it is he's injected initiates a series of body jumps. And that's what, you know, you were referring to a, a few minutes ago. All right. All right, so so they're drinking, and then slowly, I guess, as whatever it is he's injected in there uh, starts to take effect, um, he jumps into Lauren's body, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Well, no, no. At first, he jumps in the bow. Oh, right, right, right. And then Bo escapes from, from Limbo and pushes oh, right, him right, out, right, and right, that right. sets off another. Because at first, he, he just jumps into Bo, and then, well, and then... Um, and then Kenzie figures it out, and there's a big to do, and then Bo gets out, and then that sets up the whole chain. Oh, where, and that's when everybody starts. Yeah, okay, yeah. and now I'm I'm calling that the B story. You know that that uh, Bo being in limbo uh, with you know with the little girl that she'd seen, right. and I forget- now that I know what you're talking about, then I would can agree. All right, good. So uh, uh, all right, so anyway, we we learn that Raynard's uh, going to kill the Ash, and. You know, when he's in Lauren's lab, okay, so this is Lauren with Reynard inside of her. Uh, Yes. Okay. Right. And in her lab, I'm telling you, Zoe Palmer, I I mean, Jack Nicholson in The Shining had nothing on Zoe Palmer in that scene. Very, very, very creepy. She did a great job. That Uh, was good. That was... Uh, that's mean, what I'm saying. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, so the story is, is nothing, you know, I mean, I, granted, it is a very original idea how they jump around each other and everything. Yeah. But, you know, it's really the, the acting job that these people did and how you really believe that, you know, this crazy guy is inside of, of Lauren and, and that Kenzie is inside of Dyson's body and, and Dyson is inside of Kenzie's body. Like yeah. the, the, the mannerisms they take on. And we had mentioned before in season one that, you know, they actually did follow each other around and they hung out with each other when, right. in preparation for this. Like, uh, you know, uh, Chris Holden Reed and Cassini Solo hung out for a lot together so they could kind of get each other's mannerisms down. And I think it really paid off because they, uh, you know, they totally nailed it, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure with you, it, it's reminiscent of, you know, Fringe in the last couple of seasons when they had the alternate universe. But, but you know, there, you know, say like Anna Torv's playing, you know, um, you know, just really another version of herself. And while it really, you know, the, the two characters, the two Olivias were, were, were certainly different, significantly different, still the same character. Here, like you said, I mean, you know, Chris Holden Reed's playing Kenzie. I mean, right. the total opposite. I mean, not, you know, let's forget the, the gender issue. Um, you know, just, you know, everything. All right. Um, that was great. Hale is like the first thing he does when he's inside Kiara's body is he, you know, grabs her chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, of course, I knew that we would need a transluminal migration circle to put everybody. Yeah. Well, of course. You know, to put everybody back in his or her respective bodies. Well, what, how else could this well, be settled? Right. So, uh, <laughs> but that's like, that's, that's like a total like supernatural thing. Cause like they do that all the time in supernatural. They're always like drawing circles uh-huh. and then, and then like, uh, you know, pouring crap on top of it and then laying on fire, like to, to trap an angel or to, or to keep out a demon or something like that. And 
So that's, uh, you know, like, you know, I, 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 that doesn't, does it mean that this is definitely pulled from supernatural? I don't know. Cause there's other movies that I guess. Yeah. Well, heck even lost. Movie. I mean, there for a while where, where that, the one house out in the, uh, you know, the wood Jacob's cabin or whatever right. had the, you know, the salt or whatever the, yeah. you know, right. around it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's probably, you know, yeah. uh, etched deep in supernatural mythology. Yep. Um, and then, you know, once everybody's back in their respective bodies, that, that's when Kenzie tells Dyson that being inside you felt very empty. And, and you know, you, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about, you know, maybe there is that little spark, you know, uh, of love for Bo, but, but clearly being with Kiara, you know, right. isn't doing it for him, at least, you know, on a, right. on a deeper level. Well, and we see the being because, you know, when they come into the doll— you know, Kiara is very upset when she sees Bo because, you know, I, and they, they, we discovered that they were just arguing about Bo. And then we discovered it's because, um, you know, Dyson refuses to talk about her. Right. You know, like she sees a picture of him and Bo. They look happy. She's like, what's the story? He doesn't want to talk about it, which is probably, you know, bad strategic move mm-hmm. for the guy. You know, you, you, so do you feel sorry for Kiara? A little bit. Yeah. 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 I'd say, I mean, she's kind of, I'll admit she starts off. You know, a, a little annoying in this one, but by the end, when she kind of like you know thanks Bo and everything, yeah. and it's kind of like patting her on the back. Then, then yeah, you know, I feel a little sympathy for her. It's it's tough because you know here she's coming in and she is like the third wheel, right? I mean, we're right. used to we the the shippers who watch the show want it to be Dyson and Bo, right? And this woman comes in and she's not a bad person. She's not evil. She's not awful. She's not nasty. Right. You know, she's someone we would sympathize with, but we have trouble sympathizing with her because she's the other woman. Right. Now they do talk it out when they're in other bot, right. And when, when one's, when Bo's in Wood's body and, and uh, Kiara's in Hale's body, they're, they're talking it out a little bit. Right. Um, but uh, all right. Um, so why don't we get to the, you know, the, the, you know, in this case, I think the B story is probably, you know, certainly, you know, pretty heavy in, in moving the story arc forward. And, oh, and yeah, yeah, that's, the, you know, so that the, the Nain Rouge, well, and, right? Uh, the Nain Rouge, um, this little girl, and I forget what episode we saw her. The first one of this season. Okay. First one of season we, two. Yeah, we see her when uh, Bo and, and Kenzie, they're chasing down the uh, the circus people. Oh, and, right, right. And they, okay. they see her for the first time there. And then they see her a couple more times. And then at the end of that episode, is the Nain Rouge tells her that something bad's coming for her. Oh, right, like right, and and certainly that gets amplified. And I don't know if we've seen her since. Have we seen her since then? I'm not sure if if we have. I think this might be the first time. There since are episodes then. after this. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, so no, the, but I mean, like since the first between the first one and now. Yeah, I don't think I, so. I don't think we've seen. No, her, so. I don't think so. So she's also known as the Harbinger of Doom. And, uh, you know, so now we get into the, you know, she's telling Bo that you're significant and that the extinction of the Fae is upon us unless Bo fulfills her destiny. And, uh, you know, then she gives Bo that vision. And, and, it, and again, I, that's one of those things I had to go back and look at again, that, that she sees herself killing Trick. Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, the Nain Rouge says, now you've seen your fate. So... Yeah, her fate is to kill Trick. Yeah, and, and you know, so we have the the you know kind of the not the Oedipus complex, but the Oedipus dilemma. Yes, right. So you know something bad is going to happen. Right. Do you? So how do try you prevent to avoid it? it? Right. How do you avoid it? Right. Oedipus is told, you know, you're going to kill your father and sleep with your mother. Spoiler alert. 
And so he, uh, so he says, well, you know, I'm, I, I'll solve this. I'll just move away. I'll run away. I'll never come back. Yep. Not knowing that he's adopted. So the people he thinks is his dad and mom really aren't. And so he leaves his adopted parents and on the way to the new place, runs into this guy to get in a fight, kills him. Hey, dad. <laughs> then goes, solves a riddle, goes to Thebes. They're happy he solved the riddle. So they say, hey, you can have the, the queen as your wife because, you know, funny enough, her husband just got killed by some random traveler. He's like, cool. You know, and then, uh, and so he's fulfilled his own prophecy by trying to avoid it. So, yep. you know, does Bo try to, she does kind of the next episode we see, she's trying to kind of hole up and, and uh, avoid, um, you know, staying away from Trick, trying to avoid him. But, you know, if that's the funny thing about fate is, you know, the, it's fate, right? right? It comes around to get you whether you want it or not. Right. So, you know, so her destiny is to kill Trick. I mean, we, I mean, that's what we're led to believe. But uh, the then, you know, and we learn the name Rouge appears before disasters. But the interesting thing is she calls Bo Isabeau. Isabeau. Which, you know, I mean, we just, what, so is that, you know, her full name. I mean, you know, yeah. Bo is a Bo. I mean, that's certainly what we're led to believe at this point. And, uh, right. like in Spaceballs, how Barf, his real name was Bartholomew. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah. That's, that's a classic, okay. man. Um, now, the final scene, and again, I have absolutely no idea what this means. We see the Ash opening this locked trunk. There's a compartment that reveals a severed head. That looks. That's him. That's yeah, him. It looks. It looks like it's his head, but his and, head is on his head. So. And he just says, "Give me strength." Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I'll leave, okay. Yeah. So. That, I, as I said, pretty much all these episodes end with a big WTF moment, yep. and that you it doesn't get more WTF than that. No. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's just no. Yeah, there's no explanation again. I don't expect any answers anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and you know, again, in in uh, you know retrospect, I mean, these you know this block of four we're doing tonight, we're you know, it's a really strong block. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so so we see you know Bo's importance to the Fey world has certainly been you know uh, uh, hinted at and, and uh, you know hinted a little more strongly uh, in that uh, you know this comes on the heels of her uh, uber suck you power and uh, <laughs> blue glowing eyes. Uh, and that, uh, you know, whatever this uh, major conflict that seems to be brewing in the background, you know, she maybe not at the forefront of it, but she's certainly, uh, um, you know, uh, an important factor. But the fact that she's still unaligned presents a problem. Yeah. And actually, I guess it's maybe the next one that okay. like Bo try, or, or Trick does the pitch, right? It's the yeah. next. Sure. Okay. All right. So, so uh, we will leave that. Uh, so we and will go into good then uh, segue, right? Right. Our uh, last episode of the evening, which is episode ten of season two, Raging Fay, and uh, we see uh, a great opening scene. I mean, a lot of the opening scenes are are pretty awesome, but this one's a little lighter. I mean, you know, after seeing you know somebody digging up a, a body wearing a George Patton uniform, uh, <laughs> so we see Kenzie's on the phone. Uh, Standing in in some sort of a parking lot at some sort of a shipping depot with all these huge shipping containers like you'd see on a huge, you know, shipping vessel. Um, And she's clearly on the phone with Trick. Uh, They're having – now, when I say an argument, I mean they're not not mad. You know, mild disagreement. 
And meanwhile, a bow is feeding in a limo parked uh, in this distribution yard. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kenzie, I mean, what, she's the lookout? I mean, who knows? Yeah. That was, it was just, yeah. I mean, I think just a little quick kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, comic relief before yeah. there's really any need for it, but just start off on kind of a, a light type of, for it, not a funny episode, not a lot of humor in this episode. Right, but you know, and it's funny because one of the advantages when, when you do the shows like we're doing them tonight is, you know, the whole idea of comic relief coming on the heels of a pretty dark scene and, and you know, it's coming on the heels of, of the Ash looking at his severed head in a trunk. Right, um, true. But uh, Kenzie asks her why she's been avoiding Trick and, and she tells her about the vision and, and of course that, that you know, makes makes a lot of sense yeah. all right so we got lauren calling Bo for help with a case involving an mma are you an MMA, mma fan i'm not definitely not a fan i mean i've seen it on occasion you know like, okay. it's you know like when you're kind of hanging out with your buddies or something it's, it's mm-hmm. fun to watch kind of like you know i used to watch like every now and we watch pro wrestling with my buddies you know and everything but uh yeah, these guys, they're hardcore, yeah, for sure, yeah. man. But uh, but no, I don't watch it on a regular okay. basis. All right, so anyways. I don't know any of these guys who are like the, the famous fighters. Right, all I know is one of the uh, Ravens' brother is like one of the world champions. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So he's got three, two brothers. One of them is an, um, one, the other one's a pro football player which, also. Which, which Jones, one of the defensive linemen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah, can't think a big, of his first big name. lad. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so uh, you know, there, there's this whole underground fight world going on. And uh, humans are fighting for the enjoyment of the Fae. It's going out over the World Wide Web, and it's it's big business. Um, and when the fights have become boring, Ferraro, who is light Fae, uh, slips in an ogre to uh, to fight the human, and he promptly gets his ass kicked. Right, which kind of raises a uh, you know raise, raises a red flag to find out how the human won. Exactly, because yeah, you know. If we and learn nothing else from years of TV watching that ogres are pretty, pretty tough to take down. Yes, they are. Um, so, you know, so the main story revolves around that. So we see Bo infiltrating the fight scene. And, you know, again, it, it's I was a little torn in that, uh, you know, uh, Mike and I are doing uh, uh, Time Cop. Right in, okay. in, in the uh, Liberate podcast, right. and, and it's just like, you know, if I see Jean Claude Van Damme, you know, doing his uh, split one more time, I mean, it was it was just there was just one fight <laughs> that's, that's scene. His, that's his signature move, though. Yeah, I understand. One fight scene after another, none of which yeah. really added to the plot. But I guess I did want to see Bo kick somebody's ass in the ring, right? And yeah, you know, but see, that, that's fine because they they kind of go the total opposite direction you'd expect that Bo's going to get into the ring and tear it up right yeah. because she's Bo she's right you know and uh and it's the opposite she gets she gets a pretty but does she let herself well she yeah she yeah. does yeah. a little bit yes but I think she wasn't really winning as it was in the first place like you know yeah but you know it, it is kind of like a you know non-participatory of course she was fighting another fey i mean she thought she was fighting a human right right but we you know it's kind of like uh you know was uh maximus and gladiator you know like throwing down a sword are you not amused (laughs) right um is it amused or entertained are you not entertained he says right something like that i don't know i gotta watch that movie that's a good movie too well we we learn you know fairly early on that that uh that this guy mike the fighter 
his, his son has been spiking his drinks with something, which we, do, we don't know yet at the beginning, uh, but something that gives him superhuman powers and, and sends him into a rage, um, I guess to a certain extent very Hulk-like without the... Uh, yeah, without the yeah, without the, the body the changing, out um, actual aspects, and the sun. So, what's the sun? He's some sort of frog fae. Yeah, is he, it? Okay, so he's a a, a gamma senin or gamma. It certainly said gamma senin, but I looked up it said gamma g a m a. Anyway, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a Japanese uh, character from Japanese mythology, um, and and actually always an, an immortal being that is very wise and very old. Always portrays an old person. But often is accompanied by a toad, and can uh, turn itself into a toad as okay. well, and everything. So, um, so I think ironically, you know, they have like the kid. Mm-hmm. It's a kid rather than a really old dude who, like the 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 uh, creature normally is, or the the fairy usually is. It's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little kid. So, you know. Well, so okay. So, and what we learn, he's like squeezing his sweat into yeah, the, yeah okay into the his drink. frog sweat. Right. That was, Gross, um, man. And you know, and, and and again, I guess the the parallel between you know Mike the human, right? Because this boy, he basically adopted him. It's not his real father, right? Which we don't know until like almost the end of the episode. And so you know, you got the parallel between you know the same situation that Bo was raised in. I mean, we don't know. You know, it wasn't her parents were weren't killed in a car wreck, but you know, here's a uh, a young fay girl raised by humans. And, uh, you know, in her case, when her fey powers, you know, uh, you know, rose up, she, you know, ran. And then this kid, he seems to understand what it is he's doing. Yeah. And now it's the dad's got to come to terms yeah. with it. Which kind of makes me wonder, like, how this particular power was discovered. Yeah. How did he figure out that uh, his, his sweat uh, makes his dad really strong? You know, yeah, that's, that's gross. All right. Well, you know, I- I- again, in another strong B story... Uh, we've got Bo's past coming back to haunt her because we see that girl you know, basically stalking her with a camera, taking photos, and then it was like, finally, it's like, found you. And yeah. uh, shows up at Kenzie's and tell her, you're living with a monster named Beth. Yeah. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Remember that kiss song? Uh, I, you know what? I'm on, pre- I pretty much missed too. Kiss. I you mean, did? yeah. What? Um, yeah, I was at that. Yeah, I was at kind of at that. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so we learned her brother dated Beth, and uh, she thinks Beth killed her brother and then just disappeared. Yeah, and well, she, she only but, thinks that because she did. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and she wants answers and wants closure, and uh, you know, Kenzie, you know, probably figures that. You know, there's probably a certain amount of truth to this. So let's, you know, this girl wants justice. Well, let's take her to the cops. And what better cop to take her to than Hale, uh, thinking she'll be satisfied or hoping she'll be satisfied. Uh, he balks initially, right? He's like, ah, I can't really help you. You know, if Bo was aligned, it would be different. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. really, Hale? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. But yeah, he does, well, but you know, like this is kind of, I guess, maybe a more official capacity type thing, you know, and. I mean, it's just we know how much this world is run on rules, and I'm sure there's all kinds of paperwork that goes along with it. So, you know, you got to follow. You know, things are off the books is one thing, but bringing her into the station, yeah, yeah that might be another. Yep. So, you know, well, anyway, they, they both, you know, the, the two of them, you know, see each other in the station. They both recognize each other, and, uh, 
you know, Bo, you know, once back at her place is packing to leave again, which is what we saw her in the 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 uh, the show's pilot, right? She's yep. packing to leave. Yep, exactly. Um, and the thing, also, like making sure she takes her, you know, black lacy stuff with absolutely. her too again. So it still the still makes the cut when she's <laughs> she's leaving. It's a right. Is uh, the, the the frilly underwear? Yep. Now we we learn about her past. Raised on a farm. Okay. Uh, went to church every Sunday. Bum, 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 bing, bing. Um, and when she hit puberty, uh, her powers kicked in. Her parents told her sex is bad. Yes, it is. Bad. Well, very, we know that very bad. Uh, and that they tell her. And and I was a little. So she says that she told her parents she killed this boy. Uh, and that's when they told her she was adopted. Uh, or did I miss? Okay, I might have missed. I might have misheard <laughs> that. But but she didn't know until this point that she was adopted. Apparently, right. Okay, and you know, with all of this put together, you know, she goes on the run, and and we see a series of flashbacks. I don't recall them using flashbacks. Um, I mean, I guess they used the flashbacks in the scene. Uh, you know, where we where we first meet Kiara and they're back in right. the, you yeah, know, yeah, hundreds yeah. of years uh-huh. and you know. But uh we see her and there in was the, there was a, a a wasn't there a brief flashback with Trick as the king? Yeah, I don't remember now. Is that forward or backwards? Yeah, I well, know I know it's out there somewhere. Right. I can't remember if it was because you know when when the whole the the whole deal Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole the whole thing with uh with with what's her name? Her mother. Oh, oh, oh uh, Ava. Ava. I think when when they start mentioning Ava, don't they? They kind of flash back to him as the king a little bit. Yeah, you could be right. I, I can't think so. remember, but uh, uh, but anyway, we see the flashbacks to her in the backseat of the car with Kyle, and and you know, and like, look, we know she did it. She more or less admits she did it, but we see it. Um, and so now, you know, in the in the course of uh, you know two episodes. Uh, we've she's seen herself killing Kyle once again, and she sees herself killing Trick. Right. So you know what is this, her past and her future, you know, coming together. Nice little yeah, little um, parallelism there. Um, and, Not and, too bad. Yeah. Well, but none of it very, uh, very positive. So you know, other than learning about her past, and and you know, not to make light of that, because I think it does, you know, you know, certainly add depth to her character. Uh, you know, not too much else in the overall story arc. And like you said, like, I mean, if, if every episode does that, then, you know, you, you, you know, you alienate some of the, you know, more casual viewers. Right. Yeah. I I think they do a good, pretty good job of kind of like, you know, walking that line there and, and, uh, you know, kind of being faithful to the, both the, you know, current, just the, this week's kind of conflict versus, you know, advancing, bits and pieces of the story at the time so yeah yeah um you know a couple of things about the fighting because obviously you know when you start you when you do any kind of drama or whatever that involves the ring um, i don't know if you ever see like barton fink I haven't. John Turturro. He no. plays a writer, and he's supposed to write a, a boxing movie or a wrestling movie. So he's, you know, he's like struggling because he's like this artist, and he wants to create this thing. But there's, there's limitations. You know, if you're writing about boxing, there's certain cliches that are almost expected. I thought it was kind of neat how they toyed with those cliches a little bit with this one. Um, you know, like you have this, like 
I, you've seen, you must have seen the champ, right? Oh yeah, Ryan yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is kind of like the reverse of the champ, right? Like in the end, okay, spoiler people, if you haven't seen the champ yet, shut your ears. But the champ dies, and the end is his son Ricky Schroeder is like, wake up, champ, wake up. It's right. like freaking, you know, ball. No matter how old you are, you cannot keep your eyes dry right, during this right. scene, right? But so it's kind of like the same, except the kid saves the champ here, right? Right. right. Uh, you know, the champ doesn't fight himself to death. He he lives. The kid comes in, saves his dad. His dad will live and and won't fight anymore. So it's, I I thought I, I kind of reminded me the end right. a little and, bit. And a nice twist. And now it's the father who's you know it doesn't seem like he's the brightest guy. Yeah. You know, is now got to come to terms with what his son really is. Sure. Sure. I think he'll have an okay time. Oh, absolutely. This guy's no deep seem, right. He's like, wow, every, you know, I'm really strong. And no, I'm, I'm all natural. Hey, son, give me that concoction. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what yeah, you put in that thing. And, but and, and hand it on over. He does seem like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah, who yeah, loves For sure. The it's just, you know, like, it, it's so funny. As they're talking, like, the kid hands him the drink. You're like, okay, if you're wondering why all of a sudden you're, like, super strong, what has changed, you know? Yeah, yeah, but whatever. You know, uh, another thing which I know you this you have no clue about, but the uh, the whole scene, especially when Bo is in there fighting, uh, one of the first scenes of the the first X Men movie is the first time we see uh, Logan or better known as Wolverine is he's in some bar up in the, the uh, way up in Canada. And uh, and it's a steel cage match, just like that. But you know, it's like fencing around mm-hmm. it, and and he's fighting some dude, and you know, the dude's a human, and he's like an X Men, so he's got superpowers. It's not Hugh Jackman, and, is it? Yeah, yeah, oh, Hugh Jackman. I might have right? seen a few minutes of it. Yeah, so you know that uh, that the fighting scenes totally reminded me of that uh, that scene there with when we first see Logan in the X Men movies, X Men right. movie. Well, all the movies. I like, guess first yeah. time we saw him. So. Yeah. Good All stuff. Right. Well, like, man, I can't believe we actually did it. We did it. We did um, it. Yeah. And time to spare. A little bit. Um, yeah. So, well, anything else uh, you want to no. get in tonight? That's 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 a lot. I'm trying to think of everything. You know, I just really wanted to you know talk about, uh, um, what's his name? Oh, well, one thing. Uh, I guess really quick, since it's all done, everything we can, if anyone wants to hang out and hear a little bit. But what do you think yeah. about the end of Revolution? So that's um, totally random out there, but I did want to talk about that before, but I didn't like, I, I thought at first, like, all right, I won't tie up the beginning of it, but so, you know, revolution, we just saw the last episode for the next like freaking four months. So, uh, you know, what do you think? Did, did well, it satisfy you? Or are you like, Oh, I can go for four months on that. Well, you know what? One of the, you know, again, I try to, I try to not watch the, the teasers, uh, or, you know, the previews for next week's episode of, of any show um, I try not to, you know, I try to stay as spoiler next free quarters episode, right? is in but, this case. Uh, you know, because it's on at 10 o'clock, I have to watch it the next day. And, and the little blurb, you know, Charlie learns shocking something or, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, um, you know, well, what did she learn that was shocking? I mean, I'm like, okay. And as I'm watching the episode, oh, she's going to turn out to be Monroe's daughter or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I really liked it. I'm not sure what the shock was that her mother's alive, I guess, was the... I don't think there was any shock except for the, the shocking thing of the, the helicopter starting up. Yeah, that's but, like but I mean, I think for her, she didn't know her mom was alive, right? She knew yeah. her mom left her when they were like five or six. Right. And so this is the first time they've seen her. So I guess that's... The but it's sh- not shocking for us because we knew. Correct, she was alive. right, so right, like, right, yeah. right. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I thought it was a great episode. I mean, you know, the certain things drive me crazy, like um, Miles. He dropped his gun. 
He's begging you to shoot him. <laughs> yeah, just shoot him, right? And just you shoot don't him. shoot him. I would, you know, and that was I was very nervous there because I didn't want him to shoot him. I'm like, yeah. no. And I thought it was like he's gotta. This whole time he's been talking about how the first time he didn't have the stones to pull it off. Right. Right. So the next, we know if he comes face to face with it again, he's either gonna, you know, he's gonna do something severe. He's probably gonna, he's got to kill him, right? He's got to take care of business this time. And what does he do? He lets him seriously. You got a machine gun. You let him walk up and slap it out of your hands like yeah. that. Are and, you kidding me? And uh, again, I get you know. Look, we should have known because they certainly, you know, with the flashbacks to when they were children growing up, and that they really were, I guess, raised, you know, like brothers or you know. So I guess a lot of those ties run deep, but you know what the guy's become. I mean, yeah, he's not going to change. Right, right. Yeah, and- absolutely. But yeah, like I said, I was, I was worried. I'm like, come on, you can't – because – see, then I see – all right, where's this going to go? Okay, well, all right, so Monroe gets killed, so you know, uh, you know, Major Tom is going to you know, step in to be the new bad guy. But I like – Monroe, so much as a bad guy, I don't. Eventually, probably, yeah, he's going to have to get killed, right? right? Ultimately, we see that, but you know, like right now, it's just like not now. It's it's yeah. too soon. He's he's got at least the rest of the season as a bad guy. He's just too good a bad guy yeah. to kill. It, so, well, I I have a, do have a bold prediction. Okay. Okay. So so my prediction is that Rachel was in a relationship. With Miles. Oh, that's that's about as bold as warm milk. Come on. That's like obvious. And that she had an affair with Miles' brother. She got pregnant with what turned out to be Charlie. And Charlie is Miles' daughter, you think? No, 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 no. No, Charlie's not, you know, Rachel cheated on Miles and got pregnant by by Miles' brother. See, I think it might be kind of the opposite that uh, she was married to Charles, and then. But see, the, what, what the reason she said when, when the mother when, when you know when Rachel and Charlie you know are, are reacquainted, and as soon as Rachel finds out that she's been with Miles this whole time, she says, "Well, did he hurt you? Well, yeah. Why would he hurt her? Yeah, I mean, if it was his daughter, he certainly wouldn't hurt her. Right. So then, what? You know, Good I'm point. just. Yeah. Well, but yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, I think pretty clearly that there was some kind of monkey business going on between Rachel and, <laughs> and Miles for sure, because that, uh, they, yeah, no question about it. So, which, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's a lot, a lot down the road in this show, and and uh, I just hope the Hopefully. the three month hiatus doesn't screw oh, it. God, it's just you know? such a such a bad bad call, just a terrible, yeah. terrible call. I, yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, I did read one thing that, that part of it is to give them time to, you know, shoot more episodes and to, you know, you know, post-production, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. that, that sounds uh, like a bunch of waffle. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, we got, like I said, you know, it'll be, and we'll even be a, a, a point for, you know, quite a while that, because Fringe is going to be done. Second yeah. week of January. Yeah, this doesn't start till the end of March. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be, show, yeah. I'm, well, I just I have to subsist on on the CW. Yeah, well, and, time, which yeah. is not it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I, I don't even know. I gotta check C- and see when because like CW, Supernatural and Arrow are showing almost every week. Like well, they're CW's be, treated us right. Yeah, yeah. They so. have. Well, that, that just reminds me one thing I, I forgot to mention about the last episode, though, is that uh, you know the the big WTF moment we forgot to mention with Lachlan at the end of that one. 
where uh, the guy Ferraro goes into his office and he like goes, ah, and, oh, like, the teeth right. come out, right? Yeah, not werewolf teeth either. Right. Okay, so here's what they look like. In Supernatural, <clears throat> seasons uh, six and seven, is it six and seven? Maybe just seven. Like the big bad guys are Leviathans. Okay. And and that's like they're like they open their mouth. They have the teeth that look just like that. But also, I thought that you've seen teeth like that before too. Hmm. Where have I seen them? Doctor Who. Gosh, I can't remember. Vampires of Venice. Oh, isn't that like the yeah, the girls in yeah, there have like yeah. teeth like that too? So, you know, much more freaky than the 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 vampire little two prongs that pop down. You know, like those big ah, teeth like that. It's crazy. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what to think about Lachlan anymore, man. Yeah, well, we'll see. Without giving things away, yeah. So. Well, which I, yeah, which I, I really can't remember. So that's why at this point, all right, <laughs> it's well, been too long. I, I guess what we'll try to do uh, for the next episode of Fatalist is hit episodes eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, right. And then the then, following then we'll week, maybe distance. 15, 16, 17, 18. And then, uh, yeah, then we're in striking distance. And, and uh, we may actually be able to pull this thing off. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We have to figure out. Because then we're going to do a two and two. I don't yeah. Know. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure you know. it out. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. You can hit the website, fatalist.podbean.com, and we've got the little tab on the right-hand side that if you want to leave us a voicemail message, that would be awesome, and uh, you know, play that on the air, make a suggestion, comment, and uh, you can certainly download us at iTunes. So until next time. I got nothing.